Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, my name's Sean Phelan and you're listening to the Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable. On this week's show, I chat to the team at Saracens Amateurs RFC in London about their lockdown and how they have developed their club into the thriving community club that they are today. But first, it's Six Nations weekend and get ready to support your team. Our friends at Rugby Store have some great deals on replica and training wear from England, Scotland, Wales and Italy. So visit rugbystore.co.uk and save yourself 10% when you use our special promo code FYBPOD at the checkout. That's rugbystore.co.uk and the promo code FYBPOD. And we thank them for supporting our show. Now, let's get to my conversation with Saracens Amateurs RFC. Hi, everyone. Welcome to uh, another edition of the Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable. Uh, my name's Sean Phelan, as you should know by now, uh, 30 episodes in. Um, and today we're going to focus our chat on uh, Saracens Amateurs. Um, so I want to welcome to the panel Jack, Nick and, uh, and Tony. Uh, Jack, if you'd just like to introduce yourself, let us know a bit about you and your, your role within the club. Um, so my name is Jack Goldberg. I'm the head coach of the senior section, although overseeing kind of some of the running of the under 17s and under 18s as well, along with Tony. Um, last year, I was just head coach, having uh, recovered from a serious operation. But um, this year, COVID dependent, hoping to be more of a player coach, but have really enjoyed it so far. Uh, welcome. Thank you for uh, giving up your time. Uh, and Nick? Uh, yep. So, hi, I'm Nick and I'm captain at the Saris Amateurs. And uh, yeah, not that I've had much of a chance yet this season to uh, sort of enjoy that role. But yeah, that's, uh, that's my role there. Soon, soon, soon. Won't be long. Yeah. <laughs> so, thanks for uh, for giving up your time again. Uh, and Tony, uh, nice to meet you, sir. Uh, introduce nice yourself to everybody. Yeah, I'm uh, well. I'm the current sort of Colts head coach, under 18s and under 17s. Um, been with Saracens Amateurs as a coach since the under seven, so taking the team through all the sort of mini and junior sections, and now working at this age group of under 18s and under 17s, and uh, a bit with the seniors with Jack as well. So it's great that we can get all those guys together in sort of one squad, as it were. Definitely. Uh, yeah, as I said, thanks for uh, giving up your time and, and uh, sort of sharing sharing your uh, experiences over the last few months with us. Uh, Nick, tell us a little bit about the club. Um, well, how did you get involved? You know, what size of the club? So I've been at the club since I was 10 or 11. Wow, uh, okay. I played at Watford for about a year or two before and then my parents decided that they couldn't be bothered with the sort of journey up there. So, you know, Fortunately, moved over there and I've not looked back since. I mean, I'm 25 now, been there for what, 14, 15 years. And it's just, especially the past few years, it's just grown massively in terms of that. There's a much bigger community aspect now. Uh, you know, the past few years that I've been part of the seniors, wasn't there wasn't that social aspect as much. There wasn't as no. much that was drawing me to stay in after the games. But the past few years, especially with what Jack's worked on, it's completely different club. 
And how many, Jack, how many, how many teams do you run? I know you mentioned uh, juniors and Colts, but how, how many teams overall? Yeah, so um, overall the club, we've got um, all the way from the kind of minis through the youth um, to the Colts at under-17s, under-18s, and then to the, uh, the Crusaders, which is our second 15, and our Saracens, which is our first 15. And we've also got a kind of developing vet section as well, which has been a huge success over the last uh, couple of years. So from every rugby club that obviously runs um juniors all the way through to the seniors but um it's been as nick said over the last couple of years a really kind of building community and i think there's a much greater aspect of when i get to a certain age i want to play for the colts i want to play for the seniors um so there's a much more clear pathway through which is uh really exciting do you find uh because you've got the badge on your chest you know european champions premiership champions you get to wear the badge every week do you think that do, does that help with recruitment um i think it's both a blessing and a curse uh, in the obviously when we play against other clubs, I think there's that aspect of we really want to beat them, irrespective yeah. of the fact we are also just another amateur club. Yeah. Um, but I think having that badge is a huge, huge, huge asset, of course. I think it given the area that we're in, which is fine, but at the end of the day, it's also kind of zone five London. I think very few graduates maybe move to that area to look to live and work in London compared to, say, some of the other clubs around kind of zone two, zone three. So in terms of recruitment, it does benefit us. But I think we're still in a position where we're relying on people going to uni, coming back or those that have played at the club, bringing their mates back from uni. But I okay. think it's developing slower than perhaps we would like, but it is developing. So um, we do get a few more players coming to us that we wouldn't have had in the youth age groups. Uh, Tony, how much of a is there a link much between between the professional side and you guys? Well, I think it's a bit mixed. Uh, I mean, I, I was fortunate to play for the amateur side pre-professionalism. So if you sort of if you think right back to 1994, I joined Saracens then from from Wales, where I was playing, and then the season after in '95, the the, the the, the professional era came on board. So very much back then in sort of pre-94 days during the 80s, it was very much one club running up to sort of eight sides, etc. And uh, I think Saracens was very well known for producing a lot of good players back then, like Jason Leonard, Dean Ryan, Ben Clark, and all those types of players who just got nicked by Harlequins and Watts. So <laughs> yeah, literally, they, they used to be a breeding ground for, for other clubs just to nick players off. So in 95, obviously, Nigel Ray changed that. The game went professional. And that meant the, the club slimmed right down. A lot of those players from that era of, of the amateur era at Saracens, the Steve Ravenscroft, you know, Tony Diprose, Richard Hill, all those guys carried on playing. And I think it took so the professional club, as we know, you know, left Bramley Road, you know, Enfield, Vicarage Road, now Allianz Park. And it took probably a few seasons before the sort of you know, million juniors has always been strong at the club. Uh, at Bramley Road in, in even those days. But it took a while for, I think, for the senior section, the amateur section to come back to life, really. And it had a real sort of bit of a roller coaster through through those early years. But I think as Nick and, and Jack had just alluded to, you know, in, in the last few years, the, the senior side's gone from strength to strength. And I think the relate, you know, as Jack, again, yeah, it's a bit of a two-edged sword, but there is a close relationship with the professional side because, it, you know, it is the the founding ground where it all started at Saracens. So certainly through things like player development, academy, coach support, there, there are some really good relationships there. 
Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, Nick, we, we sort of just uh, touched upon it there. The sort of the renaissance of the of the of the club uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, what 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 about that? Uh, I think a big part of it was the change in coaching. Okay. Um, you know, I was guilty of it a few seasons ago. You'd wake up and be like, you know what? I don't want to play. I, I didn't like genuinely. I didn't want to play for the coach. Okay. And this, because there's a bit more camaraderie going around, and you know, you can see it at training. I mean, our numbers, even like through after COVID, our numbers have been high. And I think because of that, there's that. I think because of that community aspect, that's helped our sort of numbers stay high. And yeah, I think it's actually just all of our attitudes have changed. Like we've now got social sex to, you know, come in and sort of get everything, you know, going a little bit more. So people actually want to stay and join in with <clears> the team. Um, and and yeah, I think that that's probably one of the largest factors, those two. I think it's a real challenge for most junior clubs that have a senior section and mini and junior that those two entities are not completely separate, you know, and sure. often in a lot of clubs, they are really separate. They sort of have these conflicting views, etc. But I think testament to Dom, our chairman, uh, and Jack, the work they've done in, in, in recent seasons is to pull that together. And I think um, certainly at my age group, the under-18s and under-17s, and their connection to the senior side is, I don't think, has been stronger ever than ever before. So that's great. And I think a lot of clubs fear that at this under 17s underage group, they really fear the senior side nicking their players and this sort of interaction. When in fact, if you can be together, you know, the, the senior players can be a real positive influence on those under 18s and 17s and, and, and vice versa. So I, you know, I certainly have enjoyed being part of that coaching team and, and, and uh, just seeing how the players from the seniors and the, and the Colts have, have really flourished. Uh, what what does the club do to engage the the sort of the under eight seventeens and under eighteens to make sure that they stay with the club going forward rather than either going off to university or, or going to before they go to university to make mm. sure they come back or, or they go off to other clubs? Well, I, well, I, I think, think I think the thing with that one is when I first came in as head coach, I think, and actually in hindsight, if we knew COVID was going to come, it probably was the perfect kind of flagstone to have the setup and the positive kind of numbers and the high attendances that Nick mentioned now that the 17s and 18s cult setup train with the seniors on a Tuesday evening. So even if senior, if it was just the seniors and there was a 50% drop in attendance, you would end up with 15 players. Whereas at least now, if there's a 50% drop due to obviously understandable uh, reasons, concerns about COVID. And again, there's a huge balance between trying to improve players and the performance, but also they are amateur rugby players at the end of the day, at level nine rugby, and you want to obviously entice them to play. So having the Colts and the seniors train together is so huge because we've had an average of between 35 and 45 players every Tuesday night since um, the start of June, or sorry, the kind of start of July. So it's been really good in that sense, um, making sure that those players are recognised um, for their successes, whether that's on the field, off the field, um, our two social secretaries ensuring that they're engaged and feel part of that kind of one club, Sari's family. Um, it's been so much better over the last year. And I think to have even mo more recently when COVID has been such a stress on grassroots rugby, 
to still have those 35, 45 players turning up because they want to be involved, want to be part of it and not have that pressure like Nick said, where actually I'm not sure if I want to go or not. It's not even a question. It's I want to be there. Um, yeah. So that's been a huge difference. So uh, that was going to be sort of one of my next questions was how was... Uh, sorry, Tony, I saw you were about to say something. No, no, I, I, I was just going to add to what Jack said. I think, I think for the side, you know, mini junior amateur clubs, there's two major challenging age groups. That's the age 12 when they, they all go to senior school. You see a okay. quite a big yeah. drop off then and, and you're really trying to fight that. And then obviously at 17, 18 is a big drop off as, uh, you know, the pressure on, on kids these days to fulfil their A-levels thinking about apprentice, going off to university, girlfriends, you know, everything else that they, they they get distracted with. So as coaches, you have to work extra hard to keep those guys engaged. And I think what, what's been good as well for us is, one, engaging them, but also that link to the seniors as well. So if you think about recently some of the touch rugby games we've had playing, we've had half a dozen players coming back from university playing those. So... Just trying to keep it is all about just keeping trying to keep tabs on all these players and keep them engaged in the club and involved in a social sense as, as much as anything else. So how how did the club go about engaging their players uh, during the sort of the two lockdown periods that we've had so far? Uh, Nick, you're, uh, you're so, on the front line. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, with that, like during lockdown, we had. I mean, I took, because Jack asked as well, I took like a hit session weekly. Um, and, you know, that, that took a bit of time to grow because I think some people, the shock of the whole lockdown when it first came, but, you know, that, that took time to grow. And then that just, we also had weekly challenges that we were setting out for the other players. And I think just that everyone's seeing, like we use Strava, you know, for running. And I think just that, competitiveness yes it wasn't rugby but it was a form of competition that let's face it us as rugby players or as sports people it's just in our in our bones yeah so just <laughs> to have that like in the club i think that kept a lot of us going yeah what what uh, sure what nick is not telling you is that he would give um Joe, you know, Joe Wicks will run for his money for that online uh, you know, <laughs> sessions. That uh, and what you find is halfway through the sessions, all the cameras start getting switched off as the boys are struggling. <laughs> uh, that'd be my one, right? <laughs> Every time. <laughs> uh, so I, I think, yeah. Oh. So just talking about the lockdown, obviously for the club, uh, you know, and again, every club's gone through the same. It's an absolute minefield because first and foremost the training sessions we were having yeah there was a lot of protocol on health and safety you know social distancing through training what you could do which is not contact but how can you make you know and to be fair to jack did an excellent job putting sessions together that were very much following the guidelines that we had to follow but obviously still very interesting and challenging at the same time uh, so it, it is about being creative and uh, uh, and thinking on your your feet in that sense, and a, and a challenge to all coaches to be able to come up with something fresh that people want to turn up for week in week out. You know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, considering we have, as I said, what two fifteens, 
um, at the senior section of Vets 15 and then kind of a Colts 15, then like an almost an under 17s B team, if you will, um, to have on the first training session, the first one back in kind of end of June, early July, we had 72 players. And whilst we weren't training at Bramley Road, we moved up to Trent Park. So about a mile up the road, which actually for like Tony is a really nice kind of like whole circle where when he was playing in the kind of 90s, they used uh, Trent Park to train as well and do some of their fitness. We had such a vast area of space to be able to train in, groups of six, no contact, of course. But actually, given the weather, given the fact that we encourage those kind of groups of six to have one vet, one senior, one under 17, one under 18, then two of either of the of the remaining of the same groups. Um, it created that kind of really nice continuity between players that you often do get when you turn up to training, there'll be a group of vets throwing around the ball. There'll be a group of under 17s talking to each other. There'll be a group of seniors talking to each other. There was a really nice kind of mixing of those groups that put us in really good stead. And especially when we've been playing the ready for rugby kind of tennis side, because it's not contact, it's actually almost been not a blessing in disguise would much obviously be rather be playing contact rugby, but um it meant that those Colts could play with people 30, 35 years their senior in a competitive environment that I'm sure, and I know the 17s and 18s have really enjoyed. Yeah, I think that that is, if there's one plus point out of all this, that that was one of the major plus points, the, the, the ability to be able to not worry about under 17s mixing with seniors in that safety environment, because it's touch rugby, you could really be far more, you know, inclusive and engaged. And that's certainly helped the relationship. And I think uh, what will be key, whatever happens with COVID going forward, that as a club, we learn those sort of lessons from now, because in future, if you're talking about engaging under 70, you know, the challenge all all amateur clubs have is this, how do we get these players to carry on playing rugby to adult and senior level? That Then this is an obvious channel, that touch ready for rugby type format is not a great format to get all those guys mixing. Do you think the club is in a better position now than it would have been? No. <laughs> I think, yeah, no, I think that, that there's a lot of you know, negatives, positives, those types of things. I think, unfortunately for us, it, you know, what, what the one thing COVID has done is decimated our cult setup more than it um, than, than we would have hoped. And I think... And why, why, why would that tell, be? Why well, that it's just be? that, you know, uh, not being able to fulfil, you know, at the start of this season, we were looking at putting two teams out week in, week out at, at under-18s and under-17s level. You know, two mixed teams, you know, sort of perhaps uh, maybe a bit more tiered to, on, on ability. So you, you were... Re- and at that age group, what what is more important to them is actually playing, I think, than training okay. all the time. So that was a key difference. So I think can we get those guys back re-engaged is going to be a major, major challenge. And I, I think, you know, even with senior players, you know, there's still uh, some notable absenteeism of, of some certain players. Yeah, are they those guys going to come back? So I think the major effect on rugby right across the country is going to be another probably major drop off in numbers. And the challenge for all us as amateur clubs is how can we really re-engage those guys that are thinking about walking away, getting them back involved, you know, 
in these. That's really right. That's that's really interesting. You say that because I've done a couple of these now that are, uh, that I've recorded over over the Christmas period, and I asked I asked that question: Have any players? Do, do you know of any players within your squad that aren't that you like, are, are, aren't being engaged, or, or they they've decided that they're probably not going to come back because of whatever reason? And, and and a few clubs have said no. Actually, everyone's chomping at the bit. But it's really interesting to hear you say that actually there are a few people that we haven't been able to get hold of, and we don't think are coming back. That's... Well, I, I think to say they're not coming back is probably preempting it a bit. But I think you know when you think about uh, contact sport, amateur rugby, it's a habit habit forming type of activity as well, week in week yeah. out. Tuesday night training, you, you don't have to think about it. You, you're, you're in you're in that mould and, and you're doing it. And what's been challenging is that we've been able to keep that momentum up to a certain stage, but in situations of total lockdown where you can't get together as a group, you know, exercise is going to get restricted to an hour a day, those types of challenges, it's going to be doubly hard, I think, to get that group now back re-engaged and uh, you know, I think that's a challenge right across the sport, and hopefully we can we can meet that. Ah, uh, yeah, I hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree with that. Uh, it's a it's a massive challenge because, you know, as as people already know, that there is a, a massive drop off in, in in senior rugby players anyway. So <laughs> if if more people drop out of the sport, yeah. then we're going to have even less of a game. I mean, yeah, I've, I've been really interested. Sorry, it's like the national picture of however many years ago it was, the RFU unfortunately having to remove funding for what was the traditional cults of the kind of under 18s and under 19s. So it provided a much better segue to move from kind of junior rugby through to senior rugby, whereas there's now much more of a distinctive end point and a start point. So hopefully this reintegration of the kind of under 17s and under 18s cults training with the seniors, we create that pathway. And again, kind of advertising that and marketing that to the under 16s, where it's not a, do you want to be part of this? This is now our kind of club policy. This is the way it's structured. And we can't wait for you to also be involved with it. So throughout the whole of last season, talking to the under 16s, of which yeah. one of the coaches is a scrum half in the senior section. So again, there's that really nice continuity. Um, but the current under 16s, who no doubt will be feeling the crunch from COVID at the moment, can we make sure that they feel the same kind of inclusivity and the same welcomeness that we give the 17s and 18s for next season? Um, so again, yeah, another challenge. Nick, what's your what's your feelings on, on on all of that? Being being you know the, the captain of the club. I mean, I think there's definitely we perhaps have seen it with a few players like Tony mentioned, where it is getting or was getting trickier to get them to come back. Um, who knows why? But I I think I think that also comes with perhaps it's just getting the youngsters that are coming. Maybe maybe they've just got to work harder to get their mates back. But I think once there's a definite sort of timeline of when rugby is going to be back, I think that we'll see an influx of those kids coming back into the game. Because at the moment, it's been so stop-start that for the kids where, you know, they're, they're going to school as well and then they're being told to stay at home, I think it's all, maybe it's just a bit too much and they, they you know, balancing the rugby out with it as well perhaps it's just too much for them to to handle and maybe for their parents i honestly have no idea but yeah i i think i think they'll come back and the ones that we've got now they are i mean they're keeping us on our feet with this touch rugby they're uh, cuz they're quick <laughs> it's hard to keep up 
<laughs> or are you just slow, Nick? <laughs> Perhaps it's a bit of both. I mean, I was a prop when I was younger, so. <laughs> yeah. I was a fullback. That doesn't work. It doesn't. It doesn't work the opposite way. I went from fullback yeah. to tech. No, it doesn't. It doesn't work. Um, yeah. So how how has lockdown been on, on sort of the the I guess the commercial aspects of the club? Um, uh, a lot of clubs obviously struggling with with funding coming in and stuff like that. But uh, have the club been able to to manage its sort of interests? I guess. Um, I think yeah, financially, whilst obviously one of the main takings in any rugby club is often the bar. Um, yeah, we've <laughs> unfortunately lacked on that front. But I think when we have been allowed in, obviously abiding by kind of social distancing and a certain number of people within the club, people have been really keen to get in, give that extra little bit of support to the club. Um, I, th I think it's absolutely fine. I mean, I know in our chairman, Dom, Dom Smart, who posted yesterday on our kind of picture website, there has been, I'm sure it's the same picture nationally that, certain uh, groups or maybe individuals have said well look we haven't we've paid a certain membership or subscription for a certain product and we haven't obviously been able to receive that due to covid um is there any opportunity to receive kind of refunds and whilst that's a reasonable request i think the reason why not that that's not possible because i'm sure those kind of issues will be uh, tackled individually but um the club will still be here after this all ends and we get back to some form of normality when whenever that happens and i think that's a huge testament to the age group coaches, the players, the parents who give so much to the club. And as a result, it's only right that the club give back tenfold. But in order for that to happen, we've got to be here when COVID ends. And so that subscription, whilst we appreciate is really needed and valued, it does obviously help the club hugely. So what does the future look like for the club, Tony? You know, once COVID is all ended and, and all of that? Well, you know, I think the first point is Saracens has lived, you know, as a club has lived through the First World and the Second World War. So I think they were bigger challenges than this. So, yeah, no, I think the, the future looks bright. I, I think really COVID for us, Saracens, just talking about Saracens, has just been just a shame it's come at this point when the club's been growing so well. You know, we've been on a really good positive trajectory for the last couple of seasons, growth in numbers at senior level, culture rugby going well, all that. So it was all going very, very well. So this has been a real sort of thing from left field that's really, I suppose, just will hopefully just delay that growth rather than anything else. Obviously, the club has got great plans around improving the facilities. Yeah, we've got good facilities at the moment, but always could be better. And, and I think, as Jack touched upon really good bar catering facilities all that is is at the heartbeat of a lot of clubs and and, and commercially as well so all those things are there to, to happen and for the club to happen and, and I think um, yeah it's just reconnecting about <clears throat> you know making everyone realize what rugby is about you know what a great sport it is you know we see the growth in individual sports like cycling and everything else but you know rugby is such a social sport um yeah it's got great contact and people love that as well so i think there's a, there's a lot of opportunities uh for, for the club and hopefully we can get back on that growth curve and, and make it happen absolutely and one, one of the best things about that in the work that uh kind of dom and the committee have done behind the scenes is historically uh, kind of when the amateur section came back into kind of being kind of 2005, 2006, was that we only ever owned the lease or the opportunity to use the playing fields 
for nine months a year. So throughout the entirety of the summer, it was given to kind of the amateur cricket club in the area. Um, but now we've secured use of the kind of fields and the pitches for a whole 12 months. So fingers crossed the vaccine and the kind of an improving viral situation um, this summer, there'll be a lot more rugby we can offer. So when you talk about commercial interest, there's so much more we can provide to our members after what an or what would have been an ordinary season end. Um, so there's some really positive benefits there as well. Uh, and Nick, uh, give us a give us your favourite moment playing in the Saracen shirt. Four. That's. Uh, <laughs> I'll take it from this season. Um, I got a feeling Jack's going to know what I'm going to say. Was uh, when a touch game sort of turned a little bit contact, and uh, <laughs> so, so, someone ran at me with with his chest. So I um, went back to my contact days and just put my shoulder into him, and he went flying. <laughs> um, I'd say I'd say that for this season was my was the highlight. Uh, Jack, have you got one? Yeah, I think I mean yeah, having taken over as head coach in the last kind of year and a half or so, obviously we had a really good season last year. Kind of a new system, new philosophy, new atmosphere. Uh, finished mid table in Hearts, Middlesex one, um, with every ambition to kind of get up into the London leagues. Although I know the kind of RFU uh, game restructure is going to come into play in twenty twenty two. Um, I think having 72 people turn up to uh, the first preseason at the start of July was exceptional. Having had 140 different players from uh, the under-17s all the way through to the vets come to at least two training sessions over the course of the year. Um, but I think my highlight would still be in 2020 was our last game before lockdown came um, at the end of February where we beat a London Scottish amateur side, so the London Scottish Lions, at home 25-22 in torrential conditions. We had uh, six, six front row in our pack uh, due to various unavailabilities and injuries and just had a really good set piece, set of platform. And from the journey that we had in that 2019-2020 season to win that final game. So technically, we're still on a winning run in contact rugby. Um, that was really positive for me. Brilliant. Amazing. Tony, give us, uh, give us a favourite memory of playing for well, Saracens or, yeah, or coaching Saracens. Well, definitely uh, from the this, this season coaching, as Jack said, going back to Trent Park, which was the scene of a many a horrible session for us as players. <laughs> To be able to just inflict that on other players as a coach is a real pleasure. You know. <laughs> brilliant, absolutely brilliant, uh, gents. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, so I've got uh, we ask uh, one question at the end, uh, which I'll, I'll come to each of you uh, for, which is uh, one hope for for rugby or for for the club in 2020, uh, 2021 or, or and one fear uh, for the game. So, Jack, we'll start with you. Uh, one hope, I think it's just like with what we spoke about earlier, just trying to or at least seeing that kind of retention of players um, for whatever reason they've maybe felt less inclined to play now through kind of fears about COVID, uh, physical differences. I mean, obviously, there's so many reasons why you might not play rugby now, but um, hopefully seeing those numbers come back and adding to the strength that we are building now. Um, fear, I think it's the potential kind of adapted game rules of the games, pushing away certain players. Like if there was no malls, no rucks, fear that the game would become like rugby league. Not that there's anything wrong with rugby league, but obviously we love the game that we play. Um, but again, that comes down to myself, to Tony, to the committee, to ensure that the environment we provide for players all the way from under sixes, all the way through to vets fulfilled. 
with their needs, not just as rugby players, but as family members, as friends. Um, yeah. Do, do you think that there is this real worry that this isn't you know, the adapted rules game that you know, we just about came in before before yeah. shit hit the fan? Um, is what the future is going to be? Um, I'm not so sure. I think obviously we would like to get back to the kind of nuances of the game that we know we really enjoy and really like. And I think to not have that would take away from the game. Whilst I think in the short term, we would accept those changes because it's just that little step closer to doing what we really enjoy. Um, I hope not. I think with everything going on as well at the moment with kind of concussion and tackle height, there are going to be further adaptations, I kind of assume. Um, but to take away the scrum, the more to know that people kind of grew up kind of applying their trade and protecting what they do, to take that away from them, um, I think would be pretty difficult. Definitely. Agree with you. Nick, uh, give us one hope and one fear for, for the next 12 months. So I'd say my hope is that, you know, we can keep the momentum going that we had throughout last season, like with the numbers, with our game plans and just how well like we did end that season that that you know we were going through the fear gonna echo jack here it's just that you know we all want to get back as players to the game that we have always played and that we love it's just yeah i'd say it, pretty much exactly echoing what jack said if it is just for a season i think you know that's okay but you know, it's if they're going to change the game, then I I don't know what that will do to maybe the youngsters coming up or the current older players that are playing for the senior clubs at the moment. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Uh, and finally, Tony. Uh, well, I think your thought, hope, hope and fear. I suppose hope um, definitely that we get some sort of competitive rugby. That's contact rugby. The boys would be really surprised to hear that. I know contact rugby by the end of the season. <laughs> it's be, it'll be such a shame, for example, that the age group I've taken since under sevens, who are now under 18s, all disappear off to university, etc., without having that sort of final season of playing together and having some competitive rugby and we can give them a good send-off and keep them connected to the club. So I hope we, as the boys have said, keep that momentum, that growth of numbers, all that good stuff that's been going on, we keep that going. And I suppose the only fear I really have is that some idiot in the vets talked me into coming out of retirement and playing, but um, <laughs> that ain't never going to happen. <laughs> Maybe. One more match. One more match. Yeah, There's one always, more game. There's always There's one always more game. One more match. <laughs> well, chaps, that's a perfect way to end. Uh, thank you for, for joining me, uh, Jack, Nick, uh, Tony. Jack, just... Uh, Give us a rundown where they can find out more about uh, Saracen's Amateurs. Um, so we've got a uh, public Facebook page, which you can find us on. There's also our Twitter. We've got an Instagram, which is regularly updated. Um, as and when we do train at 7 p.m. on every Tuesday at Bramley Road. Um, we keep saying that the Saris family is a great place to be, um, the more the merrier. And we would obviously love to continue our upward momentum that we've had over the last kind of year and a half, two years. So if you are local, even if you're not, and fancy obviously some amateur rugby with an ambitious club looking to go forward, please do get involved. Brilliant, brilliant. Jack, Nick, Tony, uh, once again, thank you all for, for joining me on the, on the round table. 
Uh, everyone watching, thank you very much. Uh, don't forget to go to rugbystore.co.uk, uh, use the promo code FYBPOD and get 10% off uh, anything in store. Uh, we'll see you again. Thank you very much. Cheers. Good luck, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Thank Thanks you. So Huge thanks again to Jack, Nick and Tony from Saracen's Amateur RFC for chatting to me. And thanks once again to our friends at Rugby Store for supporting our show. Check out rugbystore.co.uk and enter the promo code FYBPOD at the checkout for 10% off your order. For all the information on Philly Boots, please visit fybrugby.com. My name is Sean Fielden and you've been listening to the Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable.